listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, I encourage you to go over to Facebook and find the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with other listeners and followers and share your own insights and reflections about today's reading. Let us now thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate on the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir a flame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 201. We are reading from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 191 to 197. 191. These and similar sweet and admirable contentions were going on between Most Holy Mary and her angels, and the palm of humility always remained in the hands of their queen and mistress. The world is justly ignorant of these mysteries, being unworthy of knowing them on account of its vanity and pride. Its foolish arrogance deems insignificant and contemptible. These humble and servile occupations, while the courtiers of heaven who know their value appreciate them, and the queen of creation eagerly sought after them as very precious. But let us leave the world to its intentional or unconscious ignorance. Humility is not for the proud of heart, nor lowly service for purple and fine linen, nor scrubbing and washing for costly gems and silks, nor are the precious jewels of these virtues intended indiscriminately for all men. But if the contagion of worldly pride enters into the schools of humility and contempt of the world, namely into religious communities, and if this kind of humiliation is looked upon by them as a disgrace, we cannot deny that such sentiments are nothing but a most shameful and reprehensible pride. If we religious men and women despise the benefits of such humble occupations and count them a degradation like worldly people, how can we appear before the angels and our queen, who esteemed as greatest honors those very works which we look upon as contemptible and dishonorable? 192. My sisters, daughters of this great queen and lady, to you I speak who are called and transported to the bridal chamber of the great king, to true joy and exaltation. Psalm 44.16. Do not allow yourselves to be robbed of the right to be called children of such a mother. If she who was the queen of angels and men humbled herself by engaging in such lowly and trivial occupations, in scrubbing and busying herself in the most common handiwork, what presumption shall the haughtiness, vain pride, and want of humility of mere slaves appear to be in her sight. If she, who is the queen of angels and men, humbled herself by engaging in such lowly and trivial occupations, in scrubbing and busying herself in the most common handiwork, what presumption shall the haughtiness, vain pride, and want of humility of mere slaves 
appear to be in her sight as in the sight of the Lord God himself. Far from our community be such treason, fit only for Babylon and its inhabitants. Let us feel honored by that which the exalted queen esteemed as a crown of merit, and let it be for us a subject of most shameful confusion and a cause for dreadful reprehension to be found wanting in the same zealous contention of humility which she entertained with the holy angels. Let us eagerly seek after humble and servile occupations, and let us cause in the angels and heavenly companions the same emulation which was so pleasing to our queen and to her most holy son and our spouse. 193. We must understand that without real and solid humility, it is audacious to seek the reward of uncertain spiritual or sensible consolations, and to strive after them is daring foolishness. Let us rather look upon our heavenly teacher, who is the perfect example of a holy and perfect life. In the great queen, the favors and delights of heaven alternated with her humble and servile occupations. For it happened many times when she was engaged in prayer with her son, that the holy angels in sweet, harmonious voices sang the hymns and canticles composed by Mary herself in praise of the infinite being of God and of the hypostatical union of the word with human nature in the second person of the Trinity. The Blessed Lady often asked the angels to repeat these hymns to her Lord and Creator, and alternating the verses with them, she added new hymns. They obeyed her, lost in admiration at the profound wisdom manifested in what she thus said and composed for them. Then, whenever her Most Holy Son retired to rest or during his meals, she commanded them as the mother of their Creator, solicitous to entertain him, that they furnished sweet music in her name, and the Lord permitted it whenever she so ordered, therein yielding to the ardor of her love and veneration, with which she served him in his last years. In order to narrate all that has been revealed to me in this regard, a much longer discourse, were necessary and much greater ability than mine. From what I have insinuated, one can judge to some extent of other deep mysteries of this intercourse, and find motive and occasion to magnify and extol the great lady and queen, whom may all nations know and praise as blessed among creatures, as the mother of the Creator and the Redeemer of the world. Instruction given to me by the Queen of Heaven. 194. My daughter, I wish that, before proceeding to narrate other mysteries, thou understand well all that the Lord commanded in regard to my intercourse with my holy spouse St. Joseph, when I espoused myself to him. God commanded me to change the order of my meals and other exterior duties in order to accommodate myself to his circumstances, for he was the head of the family, and according to the common rule, I was inferior. The same conduct was also followed by my most holy son, though he was true God. Yet he subjected himself before the eyes of the world to him who was thought to be his father. As soon as we were alone after the death of my spouse, who was the occasion of this change in our lives, we returned to our former way of living. The Lord did not expect St. Joseph to accommodate himself to us, but that we should accommodate ourselves to him as the common order among man required. Nor did the Lord resort to miracles in order to escape the necessity of taking food or of following ordinary human occupations. For in all things he acted as the teacher of all virtues and of all perfection, being an example to parents and children, to prelates, superiors and superioresses, to subjects and inferiors, to parents, in order that they may learn to love their children 
Help them, nourish them, exhort them, correct them, and lead them on in the way of salvation without remissness or carelessness. To children, in order that they may learn to esteem, love, and honor their parents as the instruments of their existence. Diligently obey them according to the natural law, which requires and teaches obedience and repudiates the opposite as monstrous and horrible. To prelates and superiors, in order that they may love their subjects and direct them as their children, to inferiors that they obey without resistance, even if they should in other respects be of higher and better condition in life. For in so far as the superior represents God, the prelate is always superior in dignity. But real charity must always teach both to be of one spirit. 195. In order that thou mayest acquire this great virtue, I desire that thou conform and accommodate thyself to thy sisters and inferiors without affection of formality and that thou treat them with dove-like meekness and sincerity. Do thou pray when they pray, work and eat, and take thy recreation with them. For real perfection in a convent consists in conforming with the common spirit, and if thou act thus, thou wilt be guided by the Holy Spirit, who governs all well-regulated communities. Following this order, thou canst make progress in abstinence, eating less than the others, though the same amount of food is placed before thee. Without being singular, thou canst with a little discretion abstain from what thou desirest for the love of thy spouse and of me. If thou art not hindered by some grave infirmity, never absent thyself from the common exercises, unless, perhaps, obedience to thy superiors sometimes prevent thee. Be present to all common exercises with special reverence, attention, and devotion. For at such times thou wilt most frequently be visited by the Lord. 196. I wish also that thou learn from this chapter to conceal carefully the special works thou undertakest in imitation of my own. For although I had no need of refraining from any work in the presence of St. Joseph, yet I was careful to add retirement as an additional observance of perfection and prudence, since retirement of itself makes good works more praiseworthy. But this is not to be understood of ordinary and obligatory works. Since thou must give a good example and let thy light shine, avoiding any danger of scandal or cause for cavil. There are many works which can be done in secret and unobserved by the eyes of creatures, and which are not lightly to be exposed to the danger of publicity and ostentation. In thy retirement thou canst make many genuflections. Prostrate in the dust thou canst humiliate thyself, adoring the supreme majesty of the Most High, and offering thy mortal body which oppresses thy soul as a sacrifice for the disorderly inclinations against justice and reason. Thus thou wilt not reserve any part of thy being from thy service of thy creator and spouse, and thou wilt force thy body to make up the loss which it causes to the soul by its passions and earthly affections. 197. With this object in view, seek to keep it always in strict subjection allowing it to partake only of those comforts which serve to keep it in proper condition for the activity of the soul and not to pander to its passions and appetites. Mortify and crush it until it is dead to all that is delightful to the senses, so that even the common actions necessary for life shall appear to thee more painful than agreeable, taste more of bitterness than of dangerous enjoyment. Although I have already on other occasions spoken to thee of the value of this mortification and humiliation, Thou shouldst now, by this example, which I have given thee, be still more convinced of their great value. 
I now command thee not to despise any of these acts or deem them of little consequence, but esteem all of them as precious treasures to be gained for thyself. In this thou must be covetous and avaricious, eagerly grasping the occasions of doing servile work, such as scrubbing, cleaning the house, engaging in most menial services, and attending upon the sick and infirm, as I have said before. In all of these works place me before thy eyes as an example, in order that my carefulness and humility may urge thee on, full of joy to be able to imitate me, and shame for any negligence therein. If I, who never had displeased or offended the Lord since the beginning of my existence, judged this virtue of humility, so necessary in order to find grace in his eyes and to be raised up by his right hand, how much more is it necessary for thee to humble thyself to the dust and annihilate thyself in his sight, who wast conceived in sin and hast so often offended him? Psalm 57. Humiliate thyself to nothingness and acknowledge that what being the Most High has given thee, thou hast but ill employed, and that therefore thy very existence should be a subject of humiliation to thee. Thus will it thou at last find the treasure of grace. This concludes our reading today for day number 201. We have read from Volume 3, Book 5, Chapter 17, Paragraphs 191 to 197. Before the instruction today, so in the corpus of our reading, we heard about the angels. The Blessed Lady often asked the angels to repeat these hymns to her Lord and Creator, and alternating the verses with them, she added new hymns. They obeyed her, lost in admiration as the profound wisdom manifested in what she thus said and composed for them. The angels sing. That's something that we come to realize at Holy Mass, that in the preface it says we join the angels in their unending hymn of praise. Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts. So when we think about angelic singing, I think that's something we should think about. How at every single Mass, we participate in an angelic song. Think about Christmas. The angel comes and says, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. That's what the angel says, and now we sing those words. So we sing the Gloria. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We here on earth echo the songs of the angels. And then we hear that the Lord is the teacher of all virtues and all perfection, and how he is an example to so many people in many different ways of life. I encourage you, look to the Lord Jesus to be an example. Ask the Lord, what lesson are you teaching me today? How can I follow you more closely? How can I imitate you better? I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.